Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Welcome, everyone, to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. My name is Santiago Velez. I'm here today with John Trask from uh, CEO of agricultural tech company, Demetra. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me here today. It's a pleasure. We had uh, John a few years ago on Real Vision Crypto, one of our early guests. He gave a a very insightful and and deep dive into his project on agricultural technology, blockchain, machine learning. We're going to revisit that project and see the progress that's been made. We hope to, uh, you know, really engage the uh, audience today. We want uh, questions and challenges, uh, so we'll do it. We'll, we'll do that work today. Uh, but before, we'd like to just look at the markets and see how things are going. You know, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum continue to trend up. Uh, a nice return from uh, the, this long winter. We've, we're, we're having Bitcoin right now around twenty nine thousand three sixty nine. Uh, so things are recovering nicely. Uh, the altcoins likely to see a, a strong rally um, in altcoin season. So, you know, just around the corner. Uh, it, it's nice to see projects last this long. And so I'm glad to have John back on the show um, as one of the very small market cap coins that we visited uh, way back in, in 2021. So with that, let's get, on, let's get to it. Uh, John, can you give us a, a little rundown of Demetra, what the platform is? what your original goal was during our uh, first interview and kind of how it's progressed since then. Yeah, so Demetra is a a platform that's completely focused on agriculture, working with farmers around the world and and taking product right from the soil all the way through the food producers. So your your large distributors and restaurants and and grocery stores. And uh, we've made a ton of progress in the last year and a half, I guess we launched in, on KuCoin in September of 2021, and, and you guys had us on that month. So thank you for that. Um, since then, we've built uh, five applications that work in different scenarios. We've, we've built um, a lot of AI in order to help farmers make better decisions. And of course, there's a couple different blockchain options within our Within our platform, we are ERC20 token. Um, we also work with Ethereum and, and Polygon, depending on uh, what pieces of data we're writing and how we're going to use those and record those and create that immutable record for traceability or, or whatever the purpose is. Right. So let's uh, let's break down each of these uh, uh, tech stack ap- aspects um, and visit them individually. So let's start with uh, the blockchain 
Typically, blockchains can be used to record just transaction processing for a cryptocurrency, but they can also be used to record uh, data sets and, and essentially immutable kind of persistent uh, records that anyone can refer to as a source of truth. Um, in that aspect, both the digital asset, the token versus the records, can you differentiate a little bit for our audience uh, what, what, how you use blockchain technology? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of different ways that we use it, and I'll just cover a couple of those. So initially, we collect data from farmers, and we get to understand how they're planting, where they're planting, and we supplement that data with data that we collect from satellites and IoT sensors and other sources. And we pick components of that data to maintain traceability. And, and from a traceability perspective, farmers want to know what have they done in the past? What are they doing now? And, and how does that uh, relate to regulations? There's a lot of regulations in the world around what chemicals farmers can use, um, how they treat their soil. There's a lot of interest from an environmental perspective uh, about farming and farming practices and how that um, works together, works hand in hand with environmental regulations or environmental objectives. And, and so we have a number of applications and one of our applications is a deforest applic deforestation application. Um, there's a, a large regulatory set coming out in the world. The EU has come out and uh, put out some new legislation. It's going live in, in early 2024. And they've given essentially corporations 18 months to 24 months, depending on the size of the corporation, to get ready. And, and get ready means how do you assess a farm or a timber lot um, for deforestation? How do you prove that it has not been deforested after December 2020? And then how do you maintain that record and integrate that into the supply chain? So you have shipping records of every shipment of coffee and cocoa and, and wood and, and rubber and, and a number of other commodities when you're shipping your goods to the EU. So we take that data within our application, we write that to Polygon and uh, create an immutable record, create a certificate for the farmer and for the food company in order for them to maintain records to show that they're complying with those regulations. Now, the really interesting thing is 141 nations signed up at COP, signed the PAC, and um, we'll be taking on or creating similar, similar regulations between now and 2030 with the goal of eliminating deforestation by 2030. And blockchain is playing a, a critical role in that within the Dimitra platform. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm, you know, I think the, the thing that's truly special from my perspective is this idea that we're taking farming, which has traditionally been, you know, just passed down by word of mouth skill set of the parent to the child uh, and essentially now digitizing it, right? We're, we're, we're capturing all of the insights and the provenance of how we grow our food and, and manage livestock and trees, and we're digitizing it and we're making it accessible globally so that people can learn from one another's practices, the data, can, the insights can be gathered from the data. And then of course, you know, we can meet 
environmental sustainability goals, uh, government goals, and management. So I think the, in the big picture, um, this is a kind of secular uh, technological change that's going to happen irrespective of um, how quickly, right? All we can do is pr provide the tools and get people onboarded uh, quickly, but it's just a change that's kind of inevitable. So I, I think that uh, what you guys are doing are, is absolutely on the on the right path, um, and I think a lot of the uh, the farmers are going to see the benefits that you know maybe from word of mouth they they couldn't get from their parents. Can you talk a little bit about what some of those benefits are? How AI and machine learning can provide insights? You know, wh where is the value there? Yeah, so we start with a mobile app, and the farmers um, enter their data. They tell us about their soil, um, and and then we take uh, satellite reports. We've generated 23 uh, satellite reports that use AI in order to evaluate a piece of land using different spectral imagery and, and also using radar. And we can analyze that and compare year over year performance on a particular farm and help a farmer make decisions around what fertilizer should they be using? When should they be planting? Um, climate change is impacting planting seasons and, and farmers, if they don't have additional data, may plant too early when there's a big storm coming. Um, they may miss a particular rainy season that they need in order to help with their crops. And, and so we've set up about 40 crops now in the system. We have a, a large team working on the AI for more crops. We're adding three to five new crops every month now. And, and so a farmer, after they tell us about what they want to plant and what their goals are, we compare them to best practices. And then we look at actual performance. So we can look at performing other performing farms in the region, other performing farms with like conditions. And machine learning just creates so much opportunity for us to start analyzing that data and making recommendations. So we have recommendation sets around soil nutrition. We have plant health. We have uh, analysis around pests. So a farmer, if he doesn't know what's attacking his crop, can take a picture of uh, his corn and get a report back that says, you know, the, the markings that are on his corn are a, are a particular pest. The same thing in Brazil, we're working on a disease set um, called citrus canker, um, using artificial intelligence in order to help predict the risk of that disease, working with uh, Abrafrutis, who's one of the largest uh, fruit organizations in the world, um, to help farmers reduce the risk of their crops being affected by um, certain bacteria or certain diseases. Um, citrus canker is actually a bacteria but uh, it gets carried in the wind and, and can really damage oranges and lemons and and other citrus crops so it's just so exciting what we can do with it uh, we've developed a huge data set of um, photographs from farms around the world we have uh, data of every farmer telling us when they're planting uh, when they're harvesting their coffee what uh, chemicals they're using, if they're not using chemicals, if they're if they're trying to grow completely organically, how are they managing that and how are they managing pests? And, and we get great results about how does, how do different practices 
work in the real world under real variables and real conditions. And, and so we take all of that data and, and we work with organizations. We're working with an organization, Colombia and Uganda now around uh, cattle and cattle management. And so that data can be made available to research organizations, uh, to universities. We have a partnership with the Ocean Protocol and we've run a couple um, data sharing initiatives with them and we'll be making data available through the marketplace so that we can monetize that data for our farmers and for our customers. And then beyond that, anybody who comes on as a, a customer of Demitra, if they're growing corn and we have corn data from around the world and, and through all of the other data that we've collected, we share that with them and that goes into the data set that feeds our artificial intelligence and helping them make better decisions for their particular circumstances. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, for me personally, the biggest benefit I see here is, is really about the future, the, the amount of uncertainty that uh, either, uh, you know, an individual farmer, uh, a commodities market, agricultural market, uh, even consumers towards yields and ultimately prices. I mean, we, we're all very in tune now post-COVID with uh, supply chain related inflation in food prices, et cetera. Um, better data, better analysis, increasing yields uh, uh, for as many uh, individual farmers as possible, essentially helps to eliminate a lot of that uncertainty um, and get better outcomes. So I, I, think it's, I think it's extremely prudent that uh, technologies like these be implemented exactly like how you guys are doing it. So kudos to that. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe that aspect of the data set in and of itself being a very valuable commodity because the majority of farmers are um, you know, fairly low income, low scope, and we're not talking huge industrial farmers here. The idea that they would have not only improved yields on site, but now an ability to take uh, the, the, the methods and data practices and uh, tokenize that or uh, somehow commodify that for use. Can you speak a little bit about, to, about that and, and is that in the long range plan? Yeah, so, you know, let me give you an example. We, we did an initial POC on uh, a project in Bolivia. Um, in that POC, Bolivia is uh, known to grow quinoa and we evaluated quinoa using all of these technologies, satellite and, and artificial intelligence and came back in the POC and, and determined that we can increase a farmer's yield about 300%. And so now we're taking that to the next step. We're going live with 2,000 to 3,000 farms this year and, and see if we can replicate that across a, you know, a much larger set of farms. We've, we've signed some deals down there. We have a local university in a rural state or a rural area of Bolivia, and um, they are doing a lot of our field work for us. So they'll go out and train the farmers on how to use the app. How, do you, how to take the data coming out of the app and use that to improve their yield or, or reduce their costs or whatever their, each individual farmer's objective is. We teach um, Demetra School, so we go to the university and teach them how to do that and uh, partner with the, the ag students and, and some of the technology students because we, we need that mix and, and uh, bring them in on how do they run a platform within 
the country in order to help the agricultural sector. And we, we're doing that all over the world. We're doing that in 16 countries now. And uh, maybe we were more ambitious when we started, thinking we'd be able to grow faster than that. But, you know, we're pretty happy with uh, getting it out and being used in, in Brazil and Colombia and Bolivia and then all over Africa and uh, Southeast Asia. So uh, our growth has been phenomenal. And, uh, and we're taking on each project crop at a time. So that's our strategy. We work with different subsets of farmers who work particularly with a crop. So perhaps a cooperative or a, a government that is trying to enhance the exports of a particular crop and, and move forward from there. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's, a, that's excellent. You know, I think uh, raising the yields of the farmers is awesome for them, of course, for them and their families. Uh, but I, I, I really am excited about this idea of this sustainability and being able to ensure consistent yields for longer periods of time, making sure they don't deplete the soil um, and have a situation where, you know, there's, there's a checkmate scenario in the future. So I think, you know, the, the real value is that we'll have more clarity, more certainty and stability in the food supply as, as the, the planet grows. Um, and th these kinds of technologies can really assist them into not making the kinds of errors that uh, have occurred in other places that, you know, lead to famines and et cetera. So uh, it'll be particularly important with uh, climate change related events and shocks to the, to the global economy with, you know, things like a pandemic. Um, having these tools in place now really provides us margin resiliency for, for the long term. You know, we, I think we take it for granted here in the United States. You, you know, we might get a little inconvenienced with higher prices at the supermarket, but for us, it's, um, it's something we can tolerate. But in many places around the world, uh, this is literally a life or death kind of situation and making sure that they, they manage their land properly and their cattle and their environment. Um, so I, I think it's it's highly critical. Can you talk a little bit about maybe how some of uh, Demetra's sales numbers or, or project numbers have increased, uh, you know, year over year? Are you at liberty to talk about that? Yeah. So I mean, our, our sales two years ago were literally zero, and uh, and this year we'll expect to be, um, you know, in that twenty to thirty million dollars range. So uh, we see that as quite positive. And, you know, from a growth perspective, we signed up um, 16 major organizations, actually 20 major organizations in 16 countries. And, and those organizations have about 20 million farmers within them. So within each of those, if you look at, you know, quinoa in Bolivia, for example, Stage one is just a handful of farms. Stage two is 2,000 to 3,000 farms, and then we can scale it. We've signed a contract recently with uh, 
APRO Cafe in, in Honduras. They have uh, 115,000 coffee farms. We're working through that scaling plan and it'll follow a similar scenario. 60 or 100 farms, several thousand farms, and then tens of thousands of farms over a, over a five-year cycle. And you have to remember that each one of these projects um, follows the crop seasons. So, you know, we may go sign up a, a deal with an APRO cafe and you have a limited coffee season. Um, so we're working with them throughout the season. And then your next stage of growth is, is six months away. If your coffee season is about six months in that region before you can start onboarding the next group of, of farmers. And that's why we use the, the universities from a, a growth and knowledge perspective. They've been great. Uh, Andalash University in the Philippines is working with our coffee farmers um, in the region there. You know, they've got, I think 80 students now have been trained on our system and, and they go out a month at a time, 30 students at a time and work day in, day out with thousands and thousands of coffee farmers. And you know, spend a couple of days teaching them how to use the app, come back a few weeks later, help answer questions. Um, you know, a lot with our app they can do offline. Um, some of the farmers don't have connectivity at their farm, so they have to go into a buying station where they drop their coffee every day or, or somewhere that, ha that offers them that connectivity. Um, and that community and that expertise is really growing. So, you know, Andalash University, we're, we're working with three or four more groups in Indonesia now and planning those. And, and it's quite interesting. We literally go in and plant a seed with, you know, uh, one group of farmers and, you know, the ori original group of farmers for coffee was Solak Rajo, 3,500 farms. And, and that seed sprouts to other growing groups. And now we're talking tens of thousands um, and potentially hundreds of thousands of farmers over the next few years. So we see huge potential growth from that perspective. Yeah, it truly is an S-curve in terms of a technological adoption. There's, there's kind of a confluence of things all intersecting now. I mean, just to enable this process, you know, uh, you had to have cell phones, for example, which are now ubiquitous in many countries where, you know, there, there just isn't fiber optic or cable type of uh, internet. Uh, just a mobile phone, um, in conjunction with blockchain technology, machine learning, satellite data, all of these technologies are converging now to the point where uh, it's a useful product. And now that people are starting to see the benefits of it, th that in and of itself compounds it through education. So I think that that's what makes me so optimistic about the future is this idea that these, this technological compounding is going to yield benefits for all of us, right? We can share the data together. We can learn from each other at scale. Um, and this just wasn't really possible before. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I'm very happy what you guys are doing with this. Um, we've got a little bit of time left to, to maybe talk about uh, 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 the future. What do you guys see in the next six months to 12 months besides onboarding, you know, more, more farmers, more educations, but is there anything exciting that um, you're looking forward to? And, and maybe one, one more question is, how do you see this differentiation between the crypto markets, right? As a, as a small market cap uh, uh, ERC-20 token, see incredible volatility, which is normal for that size. In the face of what I see as a secular growth in your company, how do you reconcile the two? Where do you see the future going there? 
uh, and what do you see for the future of your company? Yeah, well, we love what's happening in the markets right now. It, you know, we've we've got some positive results with our token over the last three months or so, and uh, and that does create a lot of opportunities from us from a from an investment perspective. We can we can do more with from with technology. Uh, we can onboard more farmers, so um, creates a compounding effect for us. And then you know what we see in the next six months to a year is really the preparation for these regulations I talked about, the deforestation regulations. The EU has said, starting in 2024, there's seven at-risk commodities. And if you are selling those at-risk commodities to the EU and you have deforested since 2020, you will not be allowed to export or import them into the US after 2024. So it will change some of the world's largest commodities, wood, um, rubber, coffee, chocolate, beef, um, palm oil, so all of your makeups and, and things like that that use that, and uh, soy. And so what's happening now with the corporations is they're preparing for that. You can imagine any large food company that has hundreds of thousands or even millions of farms that they buy from. They now have to be able to assess their entire supply chain and determine in 2024 who are they allowed to buy from and and who are now displaced because they have actively been deforesting the planet. So what we're seeing is a lot of the large corporations come on board now um, looking for ways to assess very large plots of land. Uh, you know, I was on a call with a with a timber company a couple of days ago and and, and they want to assess the entire Southeast United States and the entire Northwest United States. So we're talking, you know, millions and millions and millions of acres. Um, and our deforestation app that you can see in the background here uh, helps them do that. You know, we've, we've built this so that somebody can create a geofence. Uh, we take the satellite report from 2020 and the, the most current satellite report. We do a comparison and we create using artificial intelligence, a heat map that tells us what areas have been uh, left status quo, what areas have been deforested, and what areas uh, do they have new forest growing on. And we give a report that they can share with the EU <clears throat> and with their customers to show that they've increased the amount of forest on their property by 10% or by a certain number of hectares. We bundle that all up in a compliance report. Using AI, we evaluate that the crop was actually grown on that farm. So they can't uh, fraudulently uh, just say they've grown crop on that farm and show a report of an area that has not been deforested. Uh, in Brazil, for example, we evaluate the actual land registry. And we've got a couple contracts with two states in Brazil right now, where we can compare what the farmer claims is his or her property with what is actually registered. And then we take all of that, um, collect the critical data elements, and we write that to Polygon. And we give the farmer a certificate that says that their farm has been evaluated on a certain date. It meets this criteria and 
then at that point they can share that with their customs broker or the importer of record in, in the EU and show that they comply. What we're finding now is a lot of the corporations who have large number of farmers are looking to buy this service for their farmers. So as opposed to selling farmer to farmer, we're also selling to corporations. So we see that expanding around the world. And, you know, this is going to change the food supply chain every year consistently from now until maybe forever, but at least 2030, because that's what the pact says is going to happen. And the 141 top nations in the world have agreed to do this. So imagine, you know, Europe doesn't buy their chocolate from anywhere in Europe. They, they buy cocoa and it's coming from, from Africa and South America and Southeast Asia. And now that's regulated and your typical cocoa farmer, you know, has a, has an acre or two acres or maybe 10 acres of, of land. So there's just huge, huge volumes of, of product. Um, so, you know, beyond that, we see continued expansion in our, in our platform. We built a, an animal genetics platform that is up and running in two nations now. Um, we've got an agreement now that they're putting, I think, up to 5 million cows on the system over the next few years in South America and using artificial intelligence and predictive data um, coming from the history of the parents and the history of the individual animal, we can predict with fair certainly certainty how two animals mating will perform from a, a beef production perspective, a milk production perspective, and also identify a number of diseases that, that could be bred out of the, the food chain. Wow. Uh, so lots of exciting stuff happening there. And, and then we just launched a sponsorship program. And, and so investors who want to hold our token can hold the token for a year and pick one of our projects. And I think we have six projects now on the, on the sponsorship program. And these are projects where we've gone in and either the government or the farming organization um, or an NGO doesn't have sufficient funds in order to fund the project. So we have a, a staking program where an individual can, you know, stake some tokens, stake $100 worth of tokens and provide access to the system for, for a farmer or for a large group of farmers. Um, so loads of exciting things going on within our project right now. And uh, we're looking forward to more. Hey everyone, we're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. That's, a, that's amazing. You know, we hear a lot of lip service in the crypto community about banking the unbanked or bringing value uh, to the rest of the world that is not highly financialized. Um, but, you know, this, this to me is a project that is actually, uh, you know, walking the talk right you guys are 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 on the ground building a product that people can use to generate real value for themselves and others um and helping develop uh, sustainable economies uh sustainable ag agriculture uh, so kudos to you. you know this is this is the way it should be done um and i'm hoping that we can have you back you know in another two years and do another check-in hopefully even sooner to make sure that you're on track um, i'd love to take a bunch of um 
questions, if we can, from users. I'm sure there's people interested in hearing uh, from you. All right, so first from uh, Roger on our RV website, um, how does Demetra prove that the data is correct at the time it's recorded on the blockchain? So we choose when we write the data to the blockchain based on a certain number of parameters. We know ranges of soil parameters that should exist and the system will challenge if somebody enters data that's outside that range. We know if somebody tells us, and you know, I'll give you a coffee example. If uh, somebody gives us the soil pH and the soil pH is four and optimal is six. And if we're gonna do certain activities, if the farmer does those activities, we can see them via the satellite reports because we're going to get um, better NDVI, which, which is gonna reflect the health of the plant. And so we, we know if the farmer is giving us information that's in the right ballpark, we also know that based on the activities that the farmer is doing and recording in the system, that we're producing a result and the result is measurable through satellite reports, through IoT sensors, if the, if the farmer's employing those IoT sensors. And then the AI will kick out anomalies. So if we have 10,000 farmers that are, that are working on coffee and 500 of them give us garbage information, it's not going to fit into the curve. They're gonna be outliers. And those outliers may or may not be true, but we have enough other data that it offsets anybody that's potentially just trying to mess with the system. Hope that answers the question. Great, great response. Okay, from YouTube, we have uh, Mylan Ivanov and Jimmy Maker, both asking uh, their uh, price questions on the Demetra token itself. John, can you comment on recent price activity? Um, and then maybe talk about some of the tokenomics, uh, the supply um, and how that might change uh, over the next year. Yeah, so you can access our tokenomics online. Uh, we, you know, since the, the last three months or so have uh, benefited from what's happening in the marketplace. Um, we've also benefited from being an AI company and, and building so much valuable AI. And we benefited, I think, from our growth and, and media attention. So just like, like we are here, um, Cointelegraph, we have a partnership with them and they're writing articles about us. And, and you know, we spend a lot of time doing AMAs and I think that has been hugely beneficial and been buoyed by more positive market sentiment. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, from a tokenomics perspective, we've got about 400 million tokens out there. A number of those are locked within the community with investors. So, you know, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Solak Radio came in and licensed our system. Um, they provide us funding. We provide them grants in order to help um, move them to different strategies and the tokens that are involved in that transaction get locked. So, you know, they're under a, initially a two-year contract. All of their tokens are locked for two years. Um, so that helps from a tokenomics perspective. From the perspective of um, deforestation certificates, 
deforestation certificates are priced differently depending on volume. Uh, an individual organization may buy a deforestation certificate for, for $10 or $20, depending on what they're doing with it and how many acres they're evaluating. Um, we take that, we have to pay our satellite fees and we have to pay filing fees. No government will, will take a, a crypto transaction from us as of yet, they still expect us to pay in fiat. So we pay that off and then the rest of that gets converted to DMTR and a percentage of that DMTR um, for the certificate gets burned. And so as volume goes up and the regulatory window approaches in 2024, the, the number of users of the platform should go up and we'll see more and more of that activity where um, we have the revenue coming into the token and the burn going out. Uh, we also have locking mechanisms through our sponsorship program. Um, and then um, all of the pre-sale tokens have been unlocked now. The only, I guess, locked tokens from pre-sale are mine. Mine, I've been locked for two years as the CEO. The, the team members um, get tokens every month and, and some of those tokens every month are locked, um, but their original tokens have unlocked. So there is a component of that, but you know, we're happy to give you a link and uh, everybody can go online, go onto any of our social media and, and access all of all of the detailed information about that. You know, and I, th I think that's just one of the really valuable aspects of your um, your project versus many other altcoins is that it's it's been so far extremely transparent, uh, a good uh, custodial approach to the to the asset managing it as, as a steward just in the similar way one would manage um, land, right, is to making it a sustainable project uh, that that derives yield into the future. So, um, you know, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good strategy. Um, we have a question from a, a user, a Japanese character, unfortunately, I, I haven't learned Japanese yet on YouTube. Uh, any chance of uh, further exchange listings, uh, Coinbase or uh, a DEX L2 network uh, and any, um, also, has Demetra uh, was featured in a report from Blockchain of Europe, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, Blockchain Europe and IOTA um, put out a report recently, and that's been very helpful. We've been we've been talking to them about different ways to use blockchain. They've been uh, interested in how we're using blockchain and and IoT and and other technologies. Um, in order to work in agriculture and, you know, real life examples of, of how this works. Um, some of this comes from, from Polygon. Polygon's heavily involved in that organization and they've been very helpful in putting out that report. Um, so certainly more reports coming. We, I probably get interviewed for a report every couple of weeks. Um, you know, the BRI Blockchain Research Institute has done some stuff with us in the, in the past year. And, and, uh, and so we see more and more of that coming, um, with respect to exchanges, we're always talking to exchanges. We expect to list on some more exchanges. Um, we can't commit anything about future exchanges. That's, that's going to come from the exchange when we, when we solidify a deal and, and move forward. Makes sense. Great answer. Okay. Final question from Zach Hessler on YouTube. 
Um, any way you, you could envision Demetria as a platform helping to solve future supply chain imbalances? We all saw this during the pandemic, uh, the unpredictability of, of food and food prices. Uh, how do you see your platform playing a role there? Yeah, so it already plays a bit of a role there. We, you know, we go in and, and you know, if we take the, the coffee example, you know, we get satellite views of the coffee and depending on the type of coffee and what they use for shade trees, we can start, see a certain amount of information and we get farmer data. Um, we can see much in advance of, of uh, the actual harvest, what the potential yield is going to be. And we can see it much more precisely from a commodity level than potentially we could a number of years ago, just because we have so much more data. Um, there's certainly ways that we can work with that and, and having data in, in, you know, all over South America and Africa and Europe and uh, Asia. We can see regionally what's happening and use that to help predict what's happening with a commodity in general and, and challenge maybe some of the assumptions that are being made by financial markets or insurance companies or, or whoever, and, and actually be a supplier of that data to those companies who are putting together those analysis reports for, um, you know, the New York Stock Exchange or whoever, whoever is trading in corn or coffee or, or whatever the, the case may be. So uh, certainly lots of opportunity from a customer's perspective. And I see that data that they're using only getting better year over year over year, as more and more people are collecting more granular level, level of data. You know, we can now create an equation to look at soil and climactic conditions with a growing history and before a farmer plants, um, start to see what potential there is that year and what risks there are that year. And, you know, some years you may have different rain conditions or your, your pH is starting low. So we know their productivity is going to be higher or lower. And that's part of our mandate with our customers to help them understand that. They know in general, if they're going to have more water or less water, what that's going to do to their crop. But now we can take the actual volume of water that's predicted and give them a a reasonable result that they can start making decisions on, making financial decisions early in the season or locking in their sales for 80% of their projected crop. That's brilliant, absolutely excellent. Uh, great response. John, thank you so much for coming back on Real Vision. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we hope to have you back and you know, any last, any last words for our audience? No, I mean, look us up online and, and thank you for listening today and, and thank you and Real Vision team for, for having us here. It's great to have an opportunity to get our message out and get it out to more and more people. So we appreciate all the support that you give us and, and uh, feel free to reach out on our social media and talk with us and talk with our community. Excellent. Thank you, John. And thank you, viewers of Real Vision. Uh, crypto will be back uh, tomorrow. Thank you. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best 
brightest and biggest names in finance. 